0: Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs. So glad to be with you today. Wanted to remind you of a couple of things I told you last week. There are two conferences coming up that I'm a big fan of, and both of them have offered my friends a special code. So for starters, on September 21st through 22nd, the Story Conference here in Nashville, story2017.com. It's incredible. I can't wait to be there. Tickets are $600, well, $599, but if you use the code, that sounds fun, the ticket is only $299, so 50% off. So if that interests you, come on to Nashville. If you're already in Nashville, I will see you at the story conference. And then also Catalyst coming up October 4th through 6th in Atlanta. Go to catalystleader.com and your ticket price is $199. It's regularly $299 and the code is fun. So just a reminder that neither of those people are making me do that. I'm telling you because I think you would enjoy those conferences and if you want to go, I asked them if we could have a code. So that's how it goes. So just wanted you to know that that was happening today on the podcast. I'm really excited to introduce you to a friend of mine that I massively respect and honestly respect a lot more. After this conversation, I already loved him. John Acuff has been a friend of mine, and his wife, Jenny, and their daughters have been friends of mine for years, and I just respect the mess out of him. I think he's super gifted and talented and driven. But some of the stuff he says today to you, I think, is really important and I just um, I'm grateful for him. So his new book Finish came out this week. I am just kicking into it but I am loving it already. Y'all know that I'm a big fan of perseverance and so anybody who will talk to me about how to be better at persevering I'm gonna love. So that is the case with John Acuff. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with my friend finisher John Acuff.
1: Let's start with the Nashville statement. We'll go from there.
0: Oh, brother! Can we just? Oh, brother! (laughs) I'll tell you my Nashville statement. Um, I love Baja Burrito. That's my personal Nashville statement. I
1: haven't been. I don't think. No, I don't think so. Are you serious?
0: And do you is it
1: in Franklin? Because that's no. That's what I was about to say.
0: How often do the Acuffs leave Franklin for a meal?
1: Well, we're renovating right now, so we don't do anything anywhere. Um, we go to Twelve South. And like go to uh like, what was it Taqueria del Sol? We go there some. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And Jenny's ice cream, I assume.
1: Yeah, Jenny's ice cream. Um, oh, and then we go to the Sano's for pizza. Like oh, for sure. I like the Sano's a lot. Like I'm yeah. a big fan of that. So we get out, we do stuff. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I believe you. But the same is true with the Lions and or the Smiths who live in y'all's neighborhood. That like, literally, they don't come to Nashville.
1: No, people in Franklin are like, I can't go all the way to natural
0: <laughs> Right, do you know they there was a pool party at your pool a couple of days ago and Carrie, our friend Carrie who lives down there was like, "Annie, come down." And I was like, "Oh boy. Um, that's like 35 minutes either way." Yeah, <laughs> I did You it. do the same
1: thing. Everybody does it. I know.
0: It. Everybody's so snobby. I mean, it's the same reason there's three burger ups in like a 10-mile radius. Oh, I know. Because people only eat in their neighborhood here.
1: Yeah, I know. I know why well, we have friends that are like that that are like, "Uh, ah, I don't like as if they're different." They're not different.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, I've got to eat at this one because it's not
1: true. I'm a local. I know.
0: I mean, we both are Atlanta formerly as well. And I get it a little more in Atlanta.
1: No, but Atlanta people drive 35 minutes at the drop of a hat. They're like, oh, something is like five exits away. Okay, I'll go. I think people in Nashville are weird.
0: Yeah, you're right. We're way more stingy. Yeah. But, but at home, it was like a, I'm not going to go all the way. I, but I, I would have done, yeah, I was regularly doing 35 minutes to eat dinner with
1: people. You're right. Oh, yeah. It's different in Atlanta. You're just, well, your commute is like that. So you're like, oh, this is just our life.
0: Right. How many years were y'all in Atlanta?
1: Uh, six years. Six okay. years.
0: And what part of town did y'all live in there?
1: We. I mean, we were in Alpharetta, which isn't really Atlanta. Um. Although they've they've made it part of Atlanta for the taxes because there's rich people there. Um, right. <laughs> so.
0: And it does feel more Atlanta. I mean, it feels more Atlanta than like Cumming does.
1: Oh, yeah. Cumming is country.
0: Right. That's way up there.
1: Well, we used to always joke because North Point had a, a campus. We said it was like Circle of Life kind of thing where – when you're young and single, you go to Buckhead. And then when you get married, uh-huh. you go to North Point in Alpharetta. And then when you have a bunch of kids and are kind of done, you, you go to Browns Bridge in, Browns uh, Bridge. in Cumming. And you're just like, Would eh, that be is...
0: kind of similar to our Crosspoint campuses?
1: <laughs> Probably. I mean, like, I go, I always joke, like, the stuff they do main campus doesn't work for us. Like, really? nothing is as awkward as a spoken word. Like, in the middle of a song, in a, in a room where nobody is moving like it just doesn't (laughs)
0: because you go the franklin campus of crosspoint
1: yeah but like downtown it works because it's a younger crowd so like yeah the guy doing the cool spoken word like you're like good for you like you do it in (laughs) that you do it in franklin and you're like this is terrible dude
0: Oh, my gosh. I need to come down and go to a service at Frank because I've never been to another campus. I mean, I've seen them, but I've never like been to a service. And I do need to do that just to see what it looks like for what our what my experience is at the Nashville downtown campus versus yours at the Franklin campus. Well,
1: but I mean, like, Annie, it's it's like anything. If you said, you know, if you said to me, okay, I'm going to speak to a crowd of 40 year old parents or I'm going to speak to a crowd of 22-year-old college students, like. And if I said to you, Annie, are those different? You'd be like, Yeah, those are different. The music is different too, like, you know. So it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I mean, I get the scalability of it, but that's one of the places that um, doing a satellite campus falls apart.
0: Yeah, in the transition of you know, we've had I had Scott Sauls on the podcast about a year ago, a little less than a year ago talking about why you stay at a church when things get really hard. And he said, when you stay at a church, when things get hard, it's when you grow up. Do you feel like you experienced, did you and Jenny and the girls feel like you experienced some of that remaining at Cross Point? Or was the experience different because you were at the Franklin campus? Or what was y'all's experience in the year that we were between pastors?
1: Yeah, the experience is different in Franklin. It's actually interesting we were less connected to the pastor because we are a video campus. So like we never saw him, you know? And so like, and I don't mean that as an insult to that model. It's just, you have a different, like, if it's somebody you've seen a bunch of times or somebody who's just a concept on a video, it's different. So I was really surprised. Like I think we experienced less like, Oh no transition than other campuses did because we have a video relationship and we were like, Oh, it's all right. You know, it's a video. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I was, I was fine with it.
0: Yeah. And it seemed like it was more impactful at the campus where the preaching is live.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Cause like, again, like there's the live and there's also like, he's in the lobby. So that's, you know, like I, you know, there's some things I like about video campuses and some things I'm just like, it doesn't work. Um, so yeah, we were, Jenny and I talked about that. We were both kind of like, oh, that's weird. Like we don't feel as disconnected. And part of it is I've got my guy, I got my campus guy, you know? So I feel like Crosspoint does a good job giving the campus people a chance to be out in front. And so like, that was helpful to me.
0: Yeah. And I love y'all's Franklin campus guy.
1: Yeah. He's great. I mean, he's like 19, he's but he's awesome. He, yeah, he, he does look
0: incredibly young. I always tease him. Like, he's,
1: but I mean, he's not young in that you're like, Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think he's young and like smart and fun and like so. No, I'm such a big fan. If anything, I wish that we had the same music people. Like we, I don't like that we have to switch them constantly. That's one of the right. places that a um, uh, Satellite Campus suffers.
0: Uh, because if you had consistency, like with worship team, like you do with a campus pastor, it would feel more like a.
1: Yeah, you'd feel – yeah, well, you'd feel like, okay, we have somebody. We're like every week yeah. there's nobody to develop a relationship with. So I just think oh, that's, that's so interesting. Now, granted, like, good grief, we have amazing talent in Nashville. It's not – I'm not saying right. that at all.
0: Right. It's not like you're like, oh, that guy, oh, he's the, terrible. Oh, the
1: 42nd most talented <laughs> person. Like, right. you know, we're very spoiled in Nashville.
0: <laughs> we are. I'm so grateful. I always think it when they put someone new on stage to sing, I'm always like – I've never heard that, oh, they're also incredibly good. Yeah. Of course they are.
1: <laughs> we have such talented people. So I, I got nothing yeah. but good things to say about, about yeah, our yeah, worship yeah. leaders.
0: You know, I, I think our campus, and I personally was, and I'm sure you are too, affected by our pastor switching and getting a new pastor. But I feel like we've come out of that season with a lot of new things that I understand that I didn't understand before and just an appreciation for how the local church can take care of each other.
1: Yeah. I think that, I mean, I've got nothing but good things to say about the elders and how they worked on things. And so, yeah, I I feel very, I mean, you know, just personally feel very fortunate for how, you know, how they handle that. So yeah, I've, I've been super, I mean, and I'm excited about Kevin. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's all, it's all looking up.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm thrilled. Um, okay. You said y'all are doing a house renovation? Are y'all like Chip and Joanna?
1: No. No. Are Gen- y'all Jenny is. I'm not. <laughs> um, Jenny, you know, she has her masters in construction. Does she? She's Are more you kidding? she's more Joanna than Joanna. Like Wow. Jenny grew up building houses. She used to build like million dollar places in Boston like she's She's hardcore into it. I'm like,
0: your wife is unbelievable to me.
1: Well, she has her undergrad in photojournalism and her masters in construction management. She got a full That's ride insane. to Georgia Tech as like one of the only women in that industry. So like right. she's good at it. I'm I'm a writer. What do I what do yeah. I know?
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's just amazing to because she also sews everything.
1: And she cooks tons of great food. She wears crazy sweaters, like that she makes. Yeah, she does wear crazy sweaters. Man, that's, you married a a very talented woman. A lot going on. (laughs) It's
0: a good thing your kids are in school. So she has lots of time now in the daytime.
1: No, she's, she's doing, I mean, she's managing this house. But yeah, we're, we moved to a new house in our neighborhood. And so we're renovating part of it. And so we're kind of in transition. Are y'all living
0: in it while it's being renovated? We're living in
1: it. We're living downstairs. We're living downstairs. And then the upstairs is, um, renovation
0: wow okay is that stressful or does it work i mean i guess it's short term so anything can work short term
1: we have i mean it's visually stressful because uh, the floors are covered like all the furniture that's upstairs is downstairs so yeah in that sense it's very stressful where you go like and then like there's like the other night the frame like the drywall guy was here till 10 and then oh my like gosh. And, and then friday night he's here till 10 and the framers came at 6 45 the next morning so like Oh my gosh! It's stressful because you're always with people, you know. Right. Um, right. And you're never completely alone.
0: And do you know your enneagram number? Are you an enneagram guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not like crazy about it. Where like, there's some people that are like, it will change the world. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a seven.
0: <gasps> I am too, John.
1: Yeah, it's probably the best one.
0: It is without question the best one. The rest, but of I actually am lame. probably one of the. Yeah, they're all boring. Everybody wants to be us. That impresses me because you are so much more driven than I am.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty. It seems. Yeah. Yes. I, I, so
0: your wing eight must be really strong.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I, you know, it's funny. There's there's things, I don't know. We Like we have mutual friends that are building companies and there's a party that's like, oh, I need 30 staff members. And then I'm like, no, I don't. Like for what? Right. Like I don't want to do that. Um, yeah, I know. And that's like, their life is different than mine. Like, if they have no kids, then that's a different life automatically.
0: Like, yeah, yeah. And that's
1: fine. That's not like one's good and one's not. Like, I don't think that way at all. I just like, I'm good right now where I'm at. Like, I'm okay. Yeah.
0: Do you work from home? Or do you have an office?
1: I will eventually. It's under construction. Um,
0: (laughs) Somewhere under all this furniture. (laughs) Yeah. my office.
1: (laughs) That's the plan long term. It's going to be upstairs. But a lot of times, like I wrote my last book at a a coffee shop in Franklin. Um, Really? The whole thing? Yeah. I would say I wrote 90% of it there. And the other 10% might have been travel, you know? Like you end up, you know how it is. Like you bring a huge set of pages to edit on the road. And you're like, all right, I'm going to redline these. and, And that's what you do
0: airplanes are great for me writing and editing because the only way I get the internet is if I pay for it.
1: Yeah. And I'm exactly. cheap enough
0: to usually go like, so are you willing to pay fifteen ninety nine just to procrastinate? No, ma'am, you are not. Yeah. Do just not you like, dare.
1: It's not worth it. <laughs> right. Like, Cause
0: it's slow and sometimes it doesn't work. Oh, and, it's not good. I mean, no, it's
1: no, not. And it's not... you don't get half the features like,
0: right. and it's like <laughs> right.
1: stupid pages that you're like, how is that? Like, yes. that shouldn't be a special part of the internet, you know? That's
0: right. And so instead, I'd make myself edit and write and do all the things. Do you Do you like the editing process of books?
1: I like that it, it makes your, uh, your book better. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I like any part of the book process. Like, it's hard.
0: Really? Yeah, it's hard. Man, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that as a real human in your life, but I feel like you are really good at encouraging people, like with the speaker list you have going, the writers, all these groups that you're kind of mentoring online. I'm glad to hear you say you think it's hard because I think that it looks like you're so good at helping other people do it, it must not be hard for you.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, like, Jenny's always like, oh, you're such a jerk when you write a book and you're a jerk when you have to go sell it. I'm like, well... Mm. and she didn't use the word jerk. I'm being polite for the the listener's tender Well, she's
0: a construction lady. What do we expect, right? I know, right?
1: So like, no, I I don't know. I think it's really hard. And I think it's like the problem, here's the problem with publishing. Like, and I don't mean it's like a problem with publishers. I just mean like the book industry is difficult. You don't control the miracle. Like Mm, you don't like, essentially it's like this, they come to you and they go, Hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money and we want you to get rocks from the planet of venus and you're like all right totally so then like for two years you build the tallest ladder possible to get to venus and they come back and they're like that's a tall ladder but you didn't you're still ninety thousand miles off and you're like i know and like you can't get to venus where Mm -hmm. like that's like you know people go well why did that book sell a million copies who knows like right right so i know that's the challenge i know my effort generates X amount of sales, but it's like anything else. Like our mutual friend, Dave Barnes, like, do you think he wasn't trying to get another number one since God gave me you? Like, <laughs> and right. he's, he's had one, like he's had on right. his latest song, which is awesome, but it's not like he was doing something differently. If anything, he was trying harder. Like yeah. he doesn't control that miracle. I mean, Ben Rector and brand new, he like, he wrote a really good song, but he doesn't control that. Like Moana and Disney is like, Hey, we want to put this like, So that's the problem with the creative arts. And it's a lot of things. It's true of a lot of things, but it's especially true for us.
0: I think you're right. And I think, you know, I warn people. I just finished writing a really, and I'm not, I mean, you know me well enough, John, that I really mean this, a really bad first draft of a book. And I warned people the week before I really dove in where I was like, you guys, this is when I become a version of me that I don't like very much. And I've tried to control her, and I've tried to change her, and it just never works. I just am a little bit different when I'm writing a book. Have you come up with a way to handle—I mean, because it's like everyone in our world gets a little shrapneled when we're in those seasons.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, like, the week you release it. So, like, I'm kind of in the middle of that right now. I I mean, it kind of reminds me, on a larger scale, it used to be when I first started speaking, first couple years, really— I couldn't look at my email or take phone calls like before I spoke. Cause like, I would be so mad. Like, like every little thing would bother me cause I was stressed. And now I'm a little better at it, but like, it's the same thing where like, if you've got a huge project, I mean, that's what I say to anybody. Like, what's the thing you're avoiding? Like if you're freaking out, like road rage is just cause you haven't dealt with something else in your life. Like no one is that angry about (laughs) a, a turn signal. Like That's that right. just means like you and your husband aren't talking and or vice versa, you know?
0: Right. So, okay. Well, let me then ask you. So, so when we are bothered by our book, is it something else or is it the book and everything else suffers? Do you think it's revealing something else on the inside?
1: No, I think it's usually the book. I mean, there's just yeah. pressure. Like, yeah. you know, think about it this way. Like if you're an accountant at a like, job, praise
0: God, we're not accountants.
1: Yeah. But if you're an accountant, you get an annual review where one to three people judge your performance. If you're a writer, everyone on Amazon can tell you you suck. Like everyone on Twitter, everyone, you know, same with music. And now you could say the average person experiences that when they use social media, sure, but they're not creating a thing. Like when you create a thing, it's a a lightning rod for stuff. And you go, okay, everybody, judge this. I mean, I remember Tim Sanders told me, Tim Tim Sanders had talked to Kurt Vonnegut about this, and Kurt Vonnegut said that if Amazon reviews existed when Mark Twain was alive, Twain would have killed himself. Mm. Like, I always tell people, this is new. Like, 30 years ago, you couldn't leave a review next to the buy button and change somebody buying it. Like, during Twain's day, a review was a newspaper guy who was trained in that and was a professional. Like right. I always tell people, especially authors, if you want to feel better about your reviews, call them what they are: Amazon opinions. They're not reviews. Oh,
0: that's a good line.
1: Review, you know, like has weight to it. It's not a review; it's an opinion. Like, and once you do right. that, you go, "Oh, what am I worried about? It's an opinion."
0: Right. Do you read yours? Do you read your Amazon opinions? Not really. Yeah, I don't. I just don't.
1: Seth Godin doesn't, and if he doesn't, but like. Thank you.
0: I quote you all the time, John, because you're the one who told me don't believe the top 10% or the bottom 10%. Yeah,
1: so, like, I don't – I mean, there's some, and that's not because I don't believe them. I saw some on one book I wrote, and I was like, that's a pretty good thought. Like, the person's (laughs) right. Like, I didn't – they're not wrong. So I think sometimes it's helpful for, you know, but, like, I'm not going to take their opinion. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. need it in there. Um, I'd rather, like – if somebody who's – if a friend of mine goes, I didn't like your last book and here's why, boy, I, I uh, am going to respond to that. But if like a yes. stranger does, eh.
0: Right. I mean I think that's why I actually am making a change. I just had three weeks off from work and to kind of assess some things I needed to change to make sure I could do this marathon long term. And one of the things I'm doing is taking email off my phone. Cause I just need some separation. And what I'm saying to people is, well, my family has my phone number, right? So the people, the same people, like, like what you're saying about if they, if they read your book and they can look you in the face and tell you about it, that's going to be a different response from you than an Amazon review. And the same is true for my real life of like, people can get me 24 hours a day if we have the same last name.
1: Yeah, exactly. And other than
0: that, we need, I just needed, I need some better boundaries so that I feel like a better human all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I had it off for 10 days, like, but the problem was I couldn't figure out how to like have Gmail off, but still get calendar updates. Like they were connected somehow. Oh, now,
0: shoot. Yeah. And so
1: I couldn't, like, that was the only problem I had. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's a solution. I just didn't want to spend two seconds thinking <laughs> about it.
0: Thank you. No kidding. Um, can we talk about finish? Sure. In my last book, Looking for Lovely, I talked a ton about perseverance because I'm a big believer that well, my life totally changed when I quit quitting. Kind of talk about what you've seen about the power of finishing what you start.
1: Yeah, well, one, nobody does it. The University of Scranton studied it. Uh, 92% of New Year's resolutions fail, which is interesting because if something else in life had that high a failure rate, you wouldn't do it or you'd do it differently. Right. Like if 92% of your friends got bit by sharks, you'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Like I'm not Right, gonna get I'm not going to the swim there. Yeah. But every, like, we fail every year and we don't change it. And so nobody does it. Um, I'm convinced it's like it makes you more valuable than just about anybody else. Um, like it's the, it's the best way to do the things you want. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not impossible. Um, yeah. And here's what I'd say. So the problem is when you make a goal, it's never just a goal. It's a promise. You've made a promise to yourself. And when you don't keep the goal, you broke the promise and you start to not trust the person you spend the most time with, which is you. Yeah, In the same way good, that if a parent said, I'll pick you up after soccer and they never came, you wouldn't believe them the next time. If a friend said, right. let's grab coffee and they never showed up, you wouldn't believe them the next time. So right. that's the problem. Um, and that's why, you know, scientifically, it's called like the Zygart effect. You remember incomplete goals more than complete ones. So like there's a residue. So the reason your, last di- your next diet doesn't work is because your last diet didn't either. And now, mm-hmm. and you don't trust yourself. So when you say right. to yourself, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, um, we're gonna do a diet," you're inside. You're like, "Sure, we're gonna like." I know yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I have a ton of friends who listen that are writers, as you know, and want to write books. And and I, I'm sure you've had this conversation before, but I have friends who will say to me, like, I mean, I started writing a book, but then I da 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 da. And how do we help people finish what they start?
1: Well, I mean, sometimes they've started the wrong thing. Um, sometimes, you know, statistically, like a lot of times people have the wrong goals. Um, sometimes they're too big. Part of the problem is we have all these broken myths about goals, like go big or go home or shoot for the moon so you'll land amongst the stars.
0: Oh, I hate that one. Yeah. I think that's it's so dumb. It's not true. It's not true.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and so sometimes it's that we've come up, with this crazy huge goal. And if we made it smaller and more manageable, we could get to the big results. We just would have to be more patient. Um, Sometimes it's we're self-sabotaging. We don't want to win. My favorite thing probably I've ever written um, is a story about cuckoo birds in the book. And the cuckoo bird is a parasitic bird, which means when it's going to have a baby, it puts its egg in another bird's nest that has eggs in it. Yeah, and so their incubation cycle is faster. So the cuckoo hatches and kills all the other birds. So then the mother bird dies trying to feed this gigantic species. Like if you Google cuckoo, the mother
0: bir- bird of the original nest maker.
1: Yeah. Or the mother. Then mother oh, bird. No, the gosh. other. The mother of the cuckoo is long gone. yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. if you Google like cuckoo parasite, like the pictures are crazy. So.
0: Oh, I'm totally gonna do that yeah. today. That's fascinating. So
1: what what you have to understand is that there are people, there are things you believe that aren't true. Just every bit as false as the cuckoo in the nest. And so one of those might be success is bad, like success is bad. And so every time I get nearly successful, I sank my own boat, you know, because success is evil or money is bad. Like you, you had faith to the conversation. There's a lot of Christians that like, there's a certain amount of money where it's sinful. And if Mm. I get that amount, I'm bad. And you go, well, that doesn't, so like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, And so that's, to me, like that chapter about identifying and the story I tell, a friend of mine who manages tens of millions of dollars, he's an executive, super smart guy. He gets a, got a new job traveling from LA to New York. And so he got new luggage, like cool new luggage, like you do. And like a lot of cool things, it wasn't designed for comfort. It was designed for looks and it was really hard and heavy. And eventually like it hurt his back. And so he said to himself one night, he watched this woman walk through the airport and she was wheeling a bag. And he said, when did I start to believe wheels don't count? And oh, so wow. his secret rule was that wheels are cheating and you don't get to use wheels. And so like when you put into like that chapter, like, like one, of the, one of the women that uh, I talked to about the concept said her secret rule is that being in shape is slutty and being out of shape <sighs> is humble. Wow. And she said, like, pe- women who are fit are skanky. And so that's the reason I don't work out. And she's like, I know that's crazy, but like, we're not talking about rational thoughts, you know?
0: Right, right. Man, that is huge, John, because if that is an implication across your whole life, what secret rules are you keeping and living by that are stopping you? That's, I mean, that is, that's insane.
1: Yeah. So that, that chapter is, is, going to be really fascinating to see the results because it forces people to go, oh, wait a second. You know, and it can be a lot of times it's a parent, you know, my, you know, it could be a mom every time she saw somebody's nice car, nice house said, that must be nice. And it was this little passive aggressive, like rich people are, are different. And, or like my friend's mom used to always say for somebody to have a house that big or to have a car that nice, they must be doing something illegal. And eventually he had to say to his mom, like, that's not true. Like, yeah, that's not, that's, that doesn't make any sense. They're Not a, not everybody's right. a drug dealer, you know? Right.
0: I used to nanny for these kids when I lived in Athens and I would pick them up from school and one day we were driving home and there was this mansion up on a hill and I said to the kids, you guys, look at that house and when, the younger son said, I feel so sorry for them and I said, why? Why would you feel sorry for them? Look how much money they have and he said, they don't have any neighbors and I was like, Okay. Well, the story your family's telling you and the story that my head is telling me are two totally different things.
1: Well, yeah, because right? that, like, what he's really saying is they don't have any friends,
0: like,
1: right? Like, they don't—they're isolated, like, right? Yeah, I had a friend say, "Oh, that CEO makes twenty million dollars a year. How do you think he sleeps at night?" And I want to say, like, probably on a Hungarian down pillow mattress, <laughs> right? like, probably pretty well.
0: <laughs> Not so bad, right? I know. So have you gotten to test this secret rule idea with any people? Like, have you seen, I feel like, cause what I'm thinking in my head, John, is that feels like that could have a really big wave of change in people's lives.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where it takes a little while because they're usually hidden. Like I, you know, I know one for me in my own life is I I can't be too successful because then I'll abandon my family. Like it'll mean I'm a workaholic, but I just don't think, I think there's a lot of room to work. Like it's the same thing. Let's talk to young artists or young authors. Yeah. Authors will say to me, I don't want to become that loud used car salesman selling my book and they act like there's only two options. You become that guy or you don't ever mention it. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of space between those two options.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, like And I always tell people, if you're afraid of being too overpromotional, you'll never be, because the people who are too overpromotional never worry about that. They're
0: not scared at all. That's They're not right. asking that
1: question. <laughs> They're just doing their <laughs> That's thing. Exactly
0: right. That's right. That's exactly right. Do you think this plays out as well in our faith life?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I don't know if there's anything we bring as many rules to as as Jesus. You know, the whole thing with the Pharisees was what kind of rules? I mean— The whole thing with the prodigal son thing was the rules are different than he thought they were, you know, that the older brother says, you're going to do this, right? Like his rule, again, his rule was, I have a a father who doesn't love me well, because his whole thing was, you wouldn't even give me a young goat. Like that wasn't lavish, like, but his definition was you're a young goat sized father. Like that's, that's my rule. That's my expectation.
0: Yeah man, that's that's real right there, John. I grew up as the older brother in the story, and so I shy away from that story because it's still kind of painful for me because I feel it's so connected with the older brother. I still feel quasi sympathetic toward him, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah, that's one of those where like, I'd love to write a book about it eventually, even though, like, God really? help us Take if, that one we've just had too many books about that, but like, maybe I'll be like the one thousandth book about, yeah. Like it's such a common but I don't know. There's just things in there like that I still get jazzed by that I'm like, Oh man, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. That's neat, you know. There's in that
0: one particular parable.
1: Well yeah, like nobody notices that the father never talks to the son. Like the father doesn't say a single word to the prodigal son.
0: I had not noticed. And
1: that. I relate that to when God's quiet, we think he's mad, but what if he's just too busy planning your party?
0: John, write that book, right? man. I
1: know. Because, like, when he comes home, That's it says, really and then he good. said to the servants, get the this, get the this. Like, but he doesn't speak to the son. Yeah. But he embraces oh him. Oh, my gosh, John. So, yeah.
0: That's really good. I was just reading the other day, and I'm kind of going through the Gospels because I've had this moment of, like, I kind of just want to know what Jesus has to say instead of everybody else. And so uh, I have been reading through the Gospels, and there's this part in Matthew after— Jesus or when Jesus is crucified and Joseph of Arimathea takes his body to the tomb and it says Mary the mother of Jesus and Mary Magdalene were sitting there and watched Jesus's body get put in the tomb and I had never seen that before
1: yeah I never noticed that
0: because you and I have both been reading the prodigal son for a lot of years
1: Oh yeah, And I've
0: never noticed that the father never spoke to the son. He only speaks to the older son.
1: Well, and that the older brother only comes into the picture because the music and dancing got so loud. So I always relate Mm. that to what if that's how we lived our faith? It was so loud and full of music and dancing. People had to ask questions.
0: Yeah. Even the ones who already thought they were in the right. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, the older brother, I feel for that guy. I just think, oh, bless him. He just was working hard. <laughs> but but he was doing jerk, things that it. the
1: father hadn't asked him to do. Like, the, there's no way the father of that story asked him to slave because that's the word he uses. Yeah. I've been slaving in the field. And, like, yeah. who asked for that?
0: You're right. Okay, so listeners, you cannot steal this book. This is John's book. He's oh, going to write Oh, <laughs> uh, So what's your hope for finish compared to the other ones?
1: Um, I mean, like, I think it's the best book I've written. In that, like, yeah. I commissioned a research study from the University of Memphis, and we studied nearly 900 people for six months. So, like, no way, I can say conclusively, like, hey, if you do this, this happens. Like, we studied yeah. nearly 900 people working on goals, and so I think it's the, <clears throat> I think it's the best book I've written. Um, that doesn't mean it'll become the best selling. Um, so, I guess I would just hope that you know, I stay active on promoting it and sharing it. And that, you know, I think it has the ability to to be super helpful. I just, most goal books are really boring and they act like you're this rational robot and, you know, like (laughs) do these three things and this will happen. And that's not how people really live. So that's my hope is that it's, it's funny. It's, you know, but yeah, you can't, again, like, You write it like I would love for the Today Show to be like, oh, my gosh, like I saw this book in my doctor's office. And but like all I I can do, I can do my part, you know?
0: Yeah, that's right. And you've done a lot of hard work on it already, John. I mean, just from watching and the amount of words you've put into it, people just don't know unless we tell them how many words they never see how many parts of the drafts they never see, how many... I mean, I, I joke a lot that I wish people got my first draft and the final book when they bought it, just because I want them to see how drastically different they always are.
1: No, I mean, the the editor is such a... You know, that's where, like, if you're going to self-publish, people always like, they want to rush past editing and, like, buy some marketing program. And I'm always like, don't rush to the marketing of the thing that's not even yeah. good yet. Right. Like, that's right. I would... You know the problem is when we go ah oh, the walls are down all the walls are down between us and publishing yeah but editing isn't a wall like you yeah, should still a like gift. if you had, if you said to me I have a hundred dollars to spend on my book I would spend every single dollar on the editing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. How did writing this change you when it came to finishing stuff? Because I feel like you that's kind of a thing that obviously you wrote from a place of like you know how to finish more than the average person, more than the 900. But did it change you to
1: go through this? I always tell people, especially nonfiction, like, I don't know if it's the same for fiction because I've never written that. Write a book that you're better for the experience regardless of how well it sells. So like, it's kind of, I remember a friend of mine was into home renovation and he was like, I'd rather do it myself because when it's done, I own the tools and I own the knowledge. So like, when it comes to a book like this, I own the tools, I own the knowledge. So you know, a, a simple way is last year I read 10 books. This year I'll read 156. Like,
0: I see. You're on the path to reading a zillion. Yeah, That's incredible, so I'm John. at
1: three a week. And so I will I think I'll finish it. I've got, you know, I've, I'm 102 or 103 in. So I'm on, I'm Can on pace. Can you
0: tell me, I'm glad that you brought this up because I wanted to ask you, do you, how do you do that? Do you, are you just reading in all your free time?
1: No, I mean, you just figure out, like you only read things you want to read. The problem with yeah. goals is people go, oh, I'm going to do a goal. I have to pick something that sucks. Like most people's right. secret rule is it has to be miserable to count. Like so yeah. I'll meet people who go, I'm going to lose weight. And I'll say, how? And they say, I'm going to run. And I'll go, do you like running? And they go, no, I hate it. That's, why I know, that's how I know it's good. I'm like that's yeah. terrible. Right. Um, and so I only read books I want to read. Um, I use every medium available. Like mm-hmm. the problem is, again, another secret rule is we have very specific secret beliefs about what is what counts. So, for instance, if I post a Batman graphic novel, people inevitably online go, that doesn't count. And I want to say, according to who? Like, what's right? What's right. Standard, Why are you making the rules? Who is measuring Why? my private goal? Like, right. part of a goal is expanding your definition. And, like, a big step of a goal that nobody talks about is being kind to yourself. So, like, if I want to listen to an audiobook, that counts. If I want to read a children's book because it's secretly about adults, that counts. Like if I want, you know, if I want to read a book I've read before, that counts. The only thing I don't do is I don't skim. Like, I just don't. For me, like I, I saw an entrepreneur that was like, "How to read a book a day," and his secret was skim them. And I was like, well, "Yeah, that's, that's not what reading. I was going to ask
0: you—is if you're actually reading no. them or if you are buzzing through them."
1: No, I'll read the forward. I won't read mm-hmm. the acknowledgments because who does that? Um, okay, actually, I read that very first. Nah, I could care less. Um, I love that part. No, I love when people talk about their
0: friends. Oh my Um, gosh.
1: And so I don't read the acknowledgments, but I read everything else. I mean, I won't read the study guide because half of the books that have study guides, it's such filler. Like they're not good guides. Right. Um, and you have more than one going at a time. Part of the reason you don't read all the time is that you don't want to read a business book at night. Like when you get into bed, you want fiction. So like grab a fiction book. You know, so I have a couple going. I, uh, I make a game out of it. Um, you know, if I want to watch TV, I say, okay, I got to read 10 pages first and like, it's stuff I want to, you know, and I always tell people like, especially in this day and age, like with our political times, uninformed and outraged is dangerous. Informed and outraged is powerful. So like, if you're mad about something, go read a book about it, like not to calm your anger down, but to equip it. And right. so like, that's good. I'd rather, there's a lot of topics that I'm more than happy to tweet about angrily. But if I'm honest, I don't know the first thing about them. Like I just, I just don't. And I'm responding to like, to a tweet I saw and I'm like, oh my gosh, right. I can't believe this happened. Um, I mean, that's part of, I argue and finish that part of the reason we have some anger is because we're not passionately using our passions in other places. Like when you have no, it's pent up, it's and, it's pent coming up out on Twitter. and the only way to send it out is to do this thing. Now, are there a ton of things we should be angry about? 100%. Um, are there some that you're like, why can't I just let this go? It's because you're not doing anything else.
0: Right. That's exactly right. Have you read one that stood out as like, man, I was amazed at how good this was. It was better. than I thought, was there one book this year that you loved?
1: The Shape of Ideas. Um, okay. It's an illustrated book about creativity and ambition Um, and promise and it's gorgeous. And the guy who did it is a father of four in Wichita and he's a full-time orthodontist and he just does it on the side. And I actually went to him and said, Hey, will you read my book finish and interpret it visually as a poster? And so he did and created these two crazy posters, um, can
0: we get them? How do you get the posters? Yeah,
1: so I'm going to give them away at book events. Like when like oh, so, good. when somebody comes to a book signing event, I'll give them one of the posters. But like that for me was fun. Like yeah. and to see somebody see something you didn't see in your book. Like, sure. but yeah, that one I really liked. I mean, fiction wise, there's like a spy series I really like called The Gray Man. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Um, I just got the New Jim Crow which, um, about what, like prison industrialization system and racism. And so that's one that I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to like learning.
0: Did you watch that, the documentary 13th about that? No, my, my,
1: a bunch of people have recommended it. I just haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I I, like um, the genius of birds. That was a good one. Oh, okay.
0: I haven't heard it. And that's fiction.
1: No, it's nonfiction.
0: Nonfiction. Thank you. Okay. I decided this over my little break in August that I, I read one Madeline L'Engle book. And I liked it so much that, that I've just decided, okay, I'm going to read her catalog. I felt like that was a very manageable goal just to read. Just because I, I enjoyed her so much, I, I'm just going to keep checking her out of the library.
1: There you go. I mean, it's doable. Have you read any of her? No. I would need to read Wrinkle in Time, right?
0: I think so, yeah, because it's it's going to be a movie. Am I yeah, making that seen, up? I think Mindy I've, Kaling's in it.
1: Yeah, I've seen an ad for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, But she so, has
0: nonfiction, too. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. there's, there's just, you know— Things like that. But, yeah, if I looked at my desk, I probably have 10 books that are in, like, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the batter's box, if you will, like, that I'm going to read next. Did you
0: read a faith one that really stood out to you?
1: Not really. Yeah, Um, that's fine. Not that I can – I mean, I've read a couple. Um, Like, a friend of mine's that I liked – I'd say the one I liked, I liked Brad Gray's book. His was good. It was about Samson. Okay. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, he's a great communicator. We'll link to all
0: these, by the way, so people can find them just to make their lives easier. And we'll be able to see your tour where you're going everywhere when the book comes out, right? That's on your website.
1: Yeah, if, I mean it's acup.me/tour. So we're at. Okay. We're we've got 13 cities planned right now, but I think like we just added two more, so I think we're gonna like. And we've had. I mean, my goal with those is always I want to like overwhelm the book. The bookstore right be such a gift to that bookstore well and they just it's fun because they don't expect it because like yeah. i'm not famous like i'm internet regionally known like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i can walk every street in america and not be bothered thank you like same but like right now we have 400 people signed up in the dallas event so oh, like that's awesome. granted not all of them will come but that event is still six weeks away so, like, right. I'm going to bring 500 people to a Barnes and & Noble, and Barnes and & Noble is going to be like, who is John Acuff? Like, that's fun.
0: Right, right. You know, like. That is really And fun. I'm going to
1: try to sell a lot of books for that bookstore. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of bookstores left.
0: I know. I was really glad to see you're doing the Nashville one here at Parnassus. Yeah, I, I love, love that them. store.
1: And they've expanded. Like, but, I mean, my goal is always to fire code every bookstore I go to. Like, I want them, <laughs> like, I mean, like, I want them to be like, oh, my gosh, this is pandemonium you know oh that's brilliant so, I mean yeah. there will be like the one in like uh Hattiesburg Mississippi will obviously be smaller but you know like that'll still be fun some of these smaller markets are so appreciative you get yeah. spoiled when you live in a big city like Nat, musicians will always tell you Nashville is like the worst place to play because yep. we're so yep. jaded and spoiled we're like right you make the trouble of going to Hattiesburg or like wichita or kansas city and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people are like hey this really means a lot to us thanks for
0: yeah you know
1: thanks for doing it And it's it. fun
0: to go to bookstores there and be like you are the people who are actually making it possible for me to do this job
1: yeah it's really i mean i just enjoy that and i think lot, yeah. face-to-face still matters like it yeah, still i agree still has value even even with the internet it still has value
0: i agree um okay so our last question i love asking this to everyone because the podcast is called that sounds fun Tell me what sounds fun to you right now. No, There's no limits. This is a very seven question, John, so I need you to go hard seven on me. What sounds fun to you right now?
1: What always sounds fun to me is skiing.
0: Like which one? Snow or ice? Snow or ice? <laughs> Snow or water? Snow. Snow skiing, really?
1: Oh, yeah. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> like I didn't I did do it for like 15 that. years, and then I kind of rediscovered it. And so, like, I bought my own boots. I bought my own skis. Like, I'm going to, you know, like— go to Colorado and Utah, like, you know, skiing, it's not easy. Cause we live in Nashville. Right. Uh, but like, Oh, skiing is the best thing ever. It's so great.
0: Why? What do you like so much about it?
1: Well, it's beautiful. Like it's sure. beautiful. There's it's, there's an element of danger. It's fast. Like I got up to 59 miles an hour on a pair of skis this winter. Like wow. that's, you feel like you are going, it's quiet. Like I, you know, because of our weirdo job, I can go during the middle of the week, you know, um, right, and so like, and I grew up in the north. Like, it reminds me of being a kid. Like, yeah. I used to have yeah. ski. We used to have ski club every Monday after school in the winter. We'd get on a bus after school and go up to a ski mountain and come home at like ten o'clock at night. Like, really, that was the best.
0: Uh people up north have cool lives. Yeah,
1: so like, and I don't know. It's it's challenging in a good way. Like, I might not yeah. take it. I, you know, it's like somebody lives at the beach and is like, yeah. Like, I have to work for it. Right. Like You can't casually easily do it. And you get to see like really cool, beautiful places that, you know, you temporarily get to visit. Like I might not mm-hmm. ever be able to afford to live in Deer Valley, Utah, but like I can go ski it for a day. Yeah. Um, and it's got cool stuff. Like all yeah, the gear, gear is like neon yeah. and like cool, like, <laughs> I don't know. And, and you feel exhausted in a good way. And yeah. like,
0: it's almost like the swimming exhausted, the summer swimming exhausted. Ah, it's
1: the best. And so, like, yeah, yeah I'm, we're planning right now. Like, and again, my goal for this year would be to ski seven days because I skied five last year. Okay. Um, so we're not, you know, I'm not able to do it a ton, but like, some someday when I'm older, I'll spend January in Crested Butte, Colorado, and I'll ski. Oh, I
0: love it. I'll
1: ski like 20 days, and that'll just yeah. be like. Ah. So
0: another beautiful part of our weird job is you can make plans in January and August and nobody cares.
1: <laughs> no, well, it's just like, I'm going to take off next July. Like yep. I'm not going to work it. So fine. Like yeah. I just decide that now. I, I mean, our job is weird in that. Like, I know I'm now out of book contract. So like 30% of my revenue just disappeared for next year. Yeah. So like, yeah. there's not like most jobs. If you're a district manager at a tech company, they don't go, Hey, by the way, Bill, next year, 30% less money. Like right. you would be like, <laughs> right. oh no. Like Right. I'll, that is very normal for us. No, yeah, I got some time to figure it out. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna see how what it looks like and i am yeah, I'll be yeah. fine.
0: Yeah, I'm like kind of was talking about buying a house for a minute. And when the guy looks at your taxes for the last five years, he's like, Good, oh, Okay. Oh, you know, just cause they go up and down so much.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And, and if it's been a good year, you're like, Oh my gosh, like you're killing it. But there's not like, not every year is the same and it's right. not that like there's terrible years, but there's definitely like where more money or more things landed in a year than like, right. and so like you control some of that. Like I control when I launch a course, but right. you know, like I don't force people to book me to speak you know, like sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And then, right. (laughs) That's kind of it. And I go, all right. Yeah. Like, there we go. Like I'll figure it out, but I like it. Like once you've done it and I, I like companies, I I spoke to a team meeting the other day at a company. I thought, man, it's fun to be part of a team. Like, so I don't, I'm not, I'm not an entrepreneur. That's like, if you're at a company, you're not dreaming. Like that's stupid.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I agree with you. Um, Hey, bud, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, this was easy.
0: Isn't that amazing? The idea of these secret rules that we are living by and that we are making our lives around, yikes. Man, that really has me like processing some things. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while because I do not want to live... Under that, I don't want to live under secret rules. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. So, so grateful that John came on the show. Please make sure you grab a copy of Finish. What a great gift to give somebody for Christmas this year or for their birthday. Just someone who, you know, wants to start some new things and really do that well. And finish well so I love it one of my favorite comments that a lot of people have been making to me lately is that their like Amazon (laughs) cart keeps getting filled up with books that they want but they can't have yet because you're budgeting like a good smart person should and I just want you to know I love that I love just drop this one go ahead and grab it to me this is one of those that you want to go ahead and read so I am really excited and hopeful that a lot of people will read John's book this feels like one of those that's not just for like business leaders or not just for people who are trying to make money or grow your influence. It's like, no, I want to live a better life. I want to be a finisher. So I love it. So I hope you will check out Finish. Also, while you're on Amazon, your friend Annie has a new book coming out next month in October called 100 Days to Brave. If you go to 100, the number 100, days to brave.com you can see all the pre-order stuff we have there for you. Here's the thing about pre-ordering. It makes a huge difference. If you pre-order the book, Amazon gets an idea of how many people would want it so that that whole like out of stock thing doesn't happen. So you can go to Amazon, but you also know, as John and I talked about, I'm a big fan of your local bookstore. Go Tell your local bookstore you want to order 100 Days of Brave from them, that you want them to carry it. I just am a big fan of sending people there as well. But pre-ordering matters to the author and matters to the publisher. So I'm not afraid to ask you that if you think you would like 100 Days of Brave to give it for Christmas, to have it for yourself, if you're just wanting to step into... A Braver Life, would you go ahead and grab that? So those are your book options for today. I am going to, what am I going to do today? I'm going to go do something fun. What should I do? I haven't even thought about it, y'all. How un-Annie, am I right? I can't believe I've thought about it. Okay, so I'm not going to answer. So I'm going to ask you to tell me on social media, tell me on Twitter, tell me on Instagram. What did you do today that was fun? Inspire me on this Thursday to do something fun. I can't believe I don't have anything in my mind. I feel shame and I'm sorry, but I don't. So you guys tell me, use the hashtag, that sounds fun podcast, that sounds fun podcast. And let me know what you are doing that is fun today. So I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation with John. Give him a follow if you don't already on social media. Let him know how much you appreciate the hard work he put into this book and get you a copy of Finish. So y'all have a great day and please go out there and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will see you next week.